Okay, so we know that the pandemic and the stay-at-home order has been very difficult uh, for families and particularly relationships. I feel as though I can think up think of a couple of couples in my mind right now that I am worried about. I'm worried about in the sense that I felt that when I would maybe go out to dinner with them, they kind of seemed to pick at each other and they didn't seem to be very happy with each other. They confided in me they weren't that happy in, with each other. And this was before the stay-at-home order and before the pandemic. I know a lot of couples that were kind of headed down the road of, is this the right person for me? Am I in the right relationship? And, you know, the statistics show out of China after everything was uh, lifted and sort of the new normal started happening in China, a lot of people were lining up to get divorces. So I know it's hard to think about, but in case you're someone that needs this information, and of course, this is the realities of life. And truthfully, if you're in a relationship that's not good for you, if it's not working for you, it's you've got the time right now to sort of prepare a to-do list for the things that you'll need if you are thinking about pursuing a divorce. And you don't have to take my word for it because we've got an expert here with us tonight. We have attorney Molly Caesar with us. Uh, she is a co-founding partner of Caesar and Bender. How are you, Molly? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. How have you been holding up throughout the stay-at-home order? You know, I... I'm doing okay. I think I'm holding up the best that, uh, just as everybody is, it's uh, definitely a new normal for the time being, but we're making it. And I'm sure that you have been working throughout this, working from home? Yeah, I'm, I'm working from home, also working in my office. There's, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a small office, not a lot of people here, so still practicing social distancing, et cetera. But, um, Definitely still working. Business as usual to the extent we can. Right. And Molly, the reason why I mentioned that you're probably still working and busy is I'm sure you're having people reach out to you saying, I think I want a divorce. Yes. Um, we've had a lot of calls, a lot of people just contemplating, um, you know, people have been thinking about it. And now that they've been cooped at home under the same roof, really, you know, can't escape from the way their relationship has been anymore. Um, a lot of people just asking, what can I do now? Can, is the, are the courts open? Can we still, can I move forward with the divorce? If not, what can I do now? Just a lot of that. And of course, you have a fantastic to-do list in the sense that it's going to give people a little bit of sense of control because right now, there's you don't feel like you're really in control of anything. But I think you've got this incredible to-do list. If you know that divorce is something that you are seriously contemplating, and this is the way that you're going to go in your marriage, then stay with us because Molly is going to give us exactly step by step the things you need to think about sort of the lists that you need to put together. And of course, if you have a question, it's a 312-981-7200, but more with attorney Molly Caesar coming up. Let's continue our conversation with attorney Molly Caesar. Of course, she has a list that she's put together. If you know that this is something that you want to head towards, now is the time and you have the time, especially while you're at home during the stay-at-home order, to prepare a to-do list, which is what you will need when you go and talk with a divorce attorney. Hi, Molly. What's the first thing that people need to do? So the first thing that I always recommend to people is if you can have a conversation, Um, you know, some people call me at all different stages. Maybe they've had a conversation with their spouse. Maybe they haven't. Maybe they're, um, 
you know, scared mm-hmm. to, they haven't taken that step yet. If you can have an open and honest conversation in a safe environment, then that's always what I recommend for people to do. See what you agree on, you know, who's going to keep the house, who's going to, you know, what might a parenting schedule look like if you have kids. If you're going to have that discussion. That's the best way to go about this. And of course, yeah. I, so that's always what I, yeah. And I do appreciate that you mentioned as long as you feel safe doing that, because one of the tragic news stories that we've been hearing is because of the stay-at-home order, a lot of uh, instances of domestic violence, there's been an increase in that. So you're saying as long as you can do that safely, we're talking about relationships where there's two adults where that's not happening, right? Of course. If there if there's any domestic violence in the home, um, even if that might be verbal, physical, then if it's not safe, then absolutely do not have a conversation. You can still get in, you know, if anybody needs an order protection, you can still do that right now. Um, certainly that's what I would recommend, but do not have a conversation if it's not safe. Certainly that's the most important thing always. So we're going to go with uh, the assumption that it is safe for you to have a conversation. So have that conversation first. And then what are you trying to glean from the discussion? You mentioned, especially if you're children, then you want to sort of think about uh, custody issues, right? Right. I mean, so the conversation is just really seeing, you know, what are you on the same page about? What are you, what might the issues be? Do you agree? What, you know, what are somebody's work schedule? Can one parent be with the kids more than the other? How has this historically worked? What are, what are your finances look like? Just any discussion. The more that, the more that two um, spouses can, can talk and resolve issues and the less they're involved in the court or with lawyers, honestly, the better. It, that's nothing better than if people can resolve it amicably without a judge deciding, without involving lawyers in it, in it being hostile. It's better for the two people involved. It's better for the children. It's uh, It'll save you money too, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, obviously, as, as a lawyer, that's my business, but I still, we're always looking out for the best interest of the family and the kids. And so it's definitely always better if people can reach an agreement on their own. Not only is it to avoid the turmoil and the, the lasting you know, mm-hmm. emotional issues that that's involved, but people are more likely to follow an agreement that they've constructed themselves than something that's forced upon them by uh, a court or otherwise. Oh, that is insightful. That's very true. So if they can kind of already decide that on their own, then it's not forced upon them. Uh, talking with attorney Molly Caesar, she's a co-founding partner of Caesar and Bender. So once you have the discussion with your partner, your spouse, uh, what do you do next? So it, really, it's figuring out what, what's there. What are the assets? So this is obviously important because until you know what you have, it's impossible to even talk about a settlement. So what are the assets? This includes anything from bank accounts to personal property to uh, stock accounts, retirement accounts, et cetera. So it's really just knowing what what's there, what's who's title, who's on title. Where are the, you know, is it bank account? What bank is it at? Things like that. It's just putting together a list so that you know what's there and that then assists attorneys to, to help you figure out what a settlement might look like from there. And I also noticed because I have your list in front of me that you've mentioned physical items, tangible items like cars, boats, jewelry, art. Um, also, you mentioned children's assets too. Right. So maybe there's maybe there's 529 accounts set up for the kids. There's also something we see a lot would be 
maybe when kids are young, someone might set up a, a whole life insurance policy on a child's life as an investment tool. So it's really just not only knowing the assets that the parties have, but anything for the kids, which also might tie in later to figuring out, you know, contributions to college expenses or how, you know, if the kids are in private high school, just things like that. What are, what are the assets? What what are we working with to, to figure out what settlement might look like? Now, Molly, I do have recalled a couple of uh, friends who have gotten a divorce. Sometimes they're in a situation, a relationship where they're not sure of all the assets. How do you go about finding all of the assets if maybe they don't, they're not in charge of the money or paying the bills? Which can happen all the time. So it might be, again, why people are home right now. Maybe you, there might be something laying around the house. You see, you filed a joint tax return. Tax returns can show so much information that maybe people don't realize. Maybe you see, you know, even though your spouse really handles all the finances, but you are on a joint account it's at the bank, then you have access to that. You can get those bank statements. But it really comes down to gathering as much information as you can. If you don't know, then understanding that you don't know, and then you can tell an attorney that you really don't have access to this information and you're not sure, that's very important because that tells us something right off the bat that we need to be careful about, that one spouse has no information about what's out there. That tells us something and then we can take the proper steps to to ensure that you know we can look into that and figure out what's there. And of course, um, Molly, you really want your clients to be open and honest with you always, right? Absolutely. I always tell people, I'd rather you tell me too much than not enough because I can I can weed through what you tell me. If it's not important or I don't need to know it, then that's one thing. But if I don't know or there's surprises, I, I can only best represent you if I know everything even if it's not good people are not proud of it you know we i see so much stuff i don't ever judge anybody but i just have to know or i i get surprised and i and i can't represent you the best so i'm guessing since we made a list of assets it's time to also make a list of what is owed right absolutely that's just as important is what's owed so mortgage not just you know obviously not just mortgages uh car loans credit card debts tax debts, any of that. We have to know all of that because that's also something that gets divided in a divorce. So the assets and and the debts. Again, whether it's in your name, in your spouse's name, whether you incurred it before you got married, all of that. You just put it all there and then we can sort through it. All of it. Even the debt that you incurred before uh, you got married. That's all important to make sure that your attorney has. And I, I like also notice that on the list you have personal and business loans, and then you also have outstanding medical bills too, something a lot of people maybe don't think about. Absolutely. So anything, any debt that's incurred during the marriage, such as medical bills, et cetera, that's all something that has to be dealt with. And the reason I say anything that was even incurred before is because that can all still plays a role in the big picture of how the assets and debts are going to be divided. So it's all important for us to know the entire picture so that we can properly advise and, and advocate for you if it you know if that's the route that the case takes. Now that already sounds like a lot of uh, information and documents that you've gathered when you've made a list of your assets and the list of your debts but you're saying now you've got to actually you know be prepared in order to meet with you you need to really have all the documents that you can find? Yes, as best you can simply because that 
there's a lot of information that can be gleaned from the documents. Mm -hmm. It's something that's going to have to be turned over in the divorce anyway. Um, There's a lot of things that people don't necessarily know that is on the documents that because I've looked at, you know, thousands of tax returns. Right. I know I know exactly what to look for. What so something that may seem innocuous or nobody really thinks of it as being anything. We know that it it does mean something, or we know we need to dig further. So really, these are things that, regardless, once your divorce case starts, these are things you're going to have to do regardless. So why not get it all together and do it now? Because then you're just a step ahead once you meet with your attorney. And why not do it now since so much cleaning up and cleaning out of closets and organization is happening already? So this is kind of the perfect timing to do it if this is the the route that you're going to go. And some of the documents that you've listed also include a prenuptial agreement, right? Yeah, certainly if if you have a prenuptial agreement, that is very important um, because that can have significant ramifications on the divorce case in general. Um, So a prenuptial agreement and really any financial documents from there, again, these are things you're going to need anyway. So if you're at home, these are things, even downloading bank statements, you know, people have online banking. It's it's time consuming. People have time right now. So just do it because we're going to need all of that. So no better time than now. And then you say that you should create a spreadsheet of living expenses. Right. So knowing knowing what 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 your expenses are on a monthly basis. So these are really a lot of set monthly expenses, but obviously there are expenses that vary. So no one's gas bill is the same every single Mm -hmm. month. So usually, you know, I tell people either take a six month period or a 12 month period, average it out and and figure out what it is. This is really just kind of a baseline to figure out what it is that you need to survive. So maybe you have access to joint accounts. Maybe you're working and you have your own income. Maybe you don't. Maybe this turns in, you need support from your spouse. Any of that, it's just really important to know what your set monthly expenses are. So how much is your mortgage or your rent? How much are, um, you know, how much is insurance? How much are you your utilities? How much are the kids' expenses? That's, that also gives me an indication when a, when a client comes in, what are the immediate needs? Do they have access to enough money to be able to continue to pay mm-hmm. their expenses for now? Do we need to go in and ask for support immediately? Things like that. That's why that's really important. And also included in the list are, you know, extracurricular activities for the kids. There's pet expenses, uh, child care expenses, uh, therapy, also vacations you have listed as well as something that you should make sure to have in your spreadsheet, too. Right. So some of this is obviously what it takes just for you to live. But some of that is what what's the standard of living that that you've enjoyed? So if you frequently, clearly not now, but right. you know, you travel to Europe every year or you um, you go camping every year. It can be anything. But that just that just gives a picture not only to us, but to the extent that we need to to the court of what the lifestyle looks like during your marriage. So not only how much do you need just to survive, but how much do you need to survive at the same level that you had? So if your kids have always been involved in, you know, a, uh, some particular sport, then ideally we'd keep them in that sport to the extent that, that it's feasible. So what does that cost? If the kids play 
you know, travel hockey is always my favorite one. It's always so <laughs> it's expensive. expensive. The ice yeah. times are crazy. Right, right. right. And, you know, something, Molly, um, I'm running out of time, but i got to get this in, is that you, this is something I would have never thought about, get your own P.O. box to receive personal mail and create your a new email account. Why do you suggest and recommend that? So the, the P.O. box is really just if you have any concern, if you're obviously still living with your spouse and you have any concern that they're reading your mail, that you have private mail, then that can be important just so no matter what you have coming, maybe you've you know, ordered bank statements or something like that, you don't want them coming to the house. That's why that would be important. As far as a new email account, the amount of times that a spouse maybe has Right. Has your, your password to your email, or they can get into your email because it's on a family computer, things like that. You know, we do communicate with clients, um, assuming we have permission with them to do that via email, or they could be communicating with family members or anything. Um, so it's just a, a way to ensure that privacy, if you've shared any of that information with your spouse or they might have it, then that's just an added um, security for you. And finally, this is, is common sense, but uh, I think it's brilliant that you mentioned this. You take photos or videos of each room in the house to make sure that in storage units to document personal property, keep a journal, and then you warn, be careful about anything you post on social media. Oh, be so careful about the social media. <laughs> I, I always tell people, do not, do not put anything, do not send any text messages, do not post anything on social media that you're not comfortable being read aloud to an entire room of people because... You know, sometimes that's what happens. Obviously, we try to avoid that, but be very careful. Love that. Okay. Thanks so much for that uh, great preparation um, to-do list that you gave us. Uh, Molly Caesar, she's an attorney. She's a co-founding partner at Caesar & Bender. And where can people find you, Molly? People can find, so you can find us on our website. It's um, CaesarBenderLaw.com. We're on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. So, Even just a Google search of my name will will probably get you to me. Well, thank you so much for joining us and hope to talk to you again soon, okay? Great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being with us. Again, I'm going to give that website. It's C-A-E-S-A-R-B-E-N-D-E-R-L-A-W dot com. And that was attorney Molly Caesar.